Oh, so let's get started by uh, trying to define as best as we can what consciousness is. Uh, the definition that Sam uses the most, and honestly the one I best understand, is from Thomas Nagel's paper, What Is It Like to Be a Bat? Uh, the basic argument in this paper is that an organism can be considered to be conscious only if it's only if uh, there is something that it's like to be that organism. Mm -hmm. uh, the example, quite popularly, and as the uh, title suggests, used by Thomas Nagel, was that of a bat. So he argues that it has to be like something for the bat to be a bat, right? We certainly don't expect it to be any similar to what it what it is like to be human. But for a bat to be considered conscious, it has to feel a certain way to be it. Again, we really don't expect bat consciousness to be anything like human consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, there really is no way to tell if sonar vision uh, is anything like human eyesight, for instance. But it has to be a certain way for the bat to have that sonar vision for the bat to be considered a conscious organism. So that's really our starting point, right? They're trying to understand what consciousness is. Um, it has to be like something to be a conscious human. Um, and if you think about it, this really uh, is our only interface through which we could experience basically anything. Everything that we can perceive, external or internal, has to be through this uh, interface of consciousness. And uh, I think that's uh, that's really important to understand. And then moving on to what we are really interested in is uh, free will, right? Mm -hmm. So okay. free will really uh, is the feeling that you are the author of your own thoughts. Okay. The, the feeling that the actions you do are completely because you chose to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say you decide to eat pizza for dinner. The feeling that you made that decision purely because you wanted to, that that right there is free will, right? So you are the author of your own thoughts is basically what free will is. And all religions, well, at least most of them, assume that humans have this free will. So... Um, Religions, basically, it says that uh, every human in this world is free to make their own decisions. And these religions have their own set of doctrines, really. And if you make the right choices, you get rewarded with an eternity in heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, the basis of religion is really simple when you think about it, actually. You, you have a set of rules, you're expected to follow it, and if you choose to follow it, you're rewarded with heaven in the afterlife. Um, and again it's really important to understand that religion just falls apart without this concept of free will right because if free if, if people are not free to choose what they want to do uh, one can easily argue that everyone who chooses to follow religious doctrine does so due to factors completely out of his control so mm -hmm. um, for religion to have any kind of merit uh, free will needs to needs to exist, and this is exactly the point where Sam and several other neuroscientists 
disagree with religion, really. They argue that free will is an illusion, that uh, there, there really does not appear to be any substantive evidence right, for free will to be uh, uh, to exist from a neuroscientific standpoint. Everything that we do, um, every choice that we make, uh, basically every thought that arises, uh, neuroscientists argue, is a is a result of several external factors. Like it, it, it could be genetics, it could be the environment, and sometimes uh, it's just pure random firing of neurons in in the brain. So the argument from a scientific uh, standpoint really is that nobody is the author of their own thoughts, although it certainly feels that way. Uh, thoughts just appear in our consciousness for us to experience. We, we really have no control or how these thoughts arise. Like, like I said, these thoughts just arise due to external factors like uh, various factors. Like I said, uh, your genetics, your the environment and whatnot, uh, we can really only witness these thoughts uh, as they appear in our consciousness. Um, because, like I said, consciousness is the is the only interface through which we can really experience anything. So, uh, we only experience these thoughts in our consciousness and really have no control over, uh, over how these thoughts appear, really. Um, and it's really not that hard to break the solution down, actually. Uh, so, as an exercise, you could close your eyes for a second and uh, listen to the voices in your head. There definitely seems to be some kind of a voice, in your, almost like a person in your, in a head, right? And most of the time, it's your voice, but also you're in constant conversation with this voice. So, what's really going on here? It certainly feels like a a self uh, resides in your head, like a focal point from which all your thoughts arise almost, uh, like a like a tiny person sitting in your brain uh, who's uh, authoring all your thoughts. So if you are the author of your thoughts, you should be, or, or, if, it, or if, it, if you feel like you're the author of your thoughts, you should certainly be... Uh, in a position to be able to get these thoughts to stop appearing, right? So, but the second you try and do that, the second you try and mute all these thoughts in your in your brain, uh, the second you attempt to stop these thoughts from arising, is when you realize that you have absolutely no control over these thoughts that arise in your brain. Mm-hmm. Thoughts just arise. The thoughts are generated. Uh, the thoughts, like I said, it's, it it's just created by external factors, none of which are exter- essentially in our control. Um, we, really are, we really are like a, a boat with no paddles, really, that, and, and we just move in whatever direction the river takes us. Um, why it feels like we possess a free will and uh, we author our own thoughts is totally a different discussion, but the punchline really is that we are not the author of our own thoughts. This is a bit of a, a tricky concept to get your head around, but once you do, you basically understand that nothing that you, you know, kind of decide is ever decided by a self in you, but 
is decided by the environment that you that you grew up in. That is, it's de- decided by your genetics. It's decided by the events that followed uh, uh, your brain making that decision. So you really are not. Yeah, you're really. Yeah, you're really not in control of the thoughts that appear in your brain. So why I wanted to bring this topic up today is because of the entire social media thing. So Yuval Noah Harari, in his book, Homo Deus, he argues that because we know that there's no free will and we're not uh, actively the authors of our own thoughts, external external factors become hugely influential on the society, right? So Mm -hmm. if you took the election in 2016, uh, Russians were essentially able to program millions of Americans through social media uh, to to vote for the person that they wanted to, right? So uh, the level of influence that social media has on the decisions that we make is beyond, you know, uh, it's not benign anymore. Like you could actively make people think what you want them to think by gaming their social media feed. If if you expose them to enough content on on certain things, their mind has already been changed without them even realizing it. So, uh, in Yuval uh, in Yuval Noah Harari's book, he he mentions some scare. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm coding this. Uh, I'm getting the data wrong, but um, a Facebook algorithm can answer a personality questionnaire about you uh, with better accuracy than your colleague if you like. If you if you just liked ten things on Facebook, right? So uh, when I say a, a personality questionnaire, that's it's essentially a gauge of how much the algorithm knows you as a person. So you could you could interpret it as if you if you liked ten ten things on on Facebook, like ten posts or uh, ten pages or whatnot, the algorithm would answer a personality questionnaire about you better than your colleague. And and with 100 likes, uh, it does better than your family members. And with 300 likes, the algorithm does better than uh, than your spouse would. So that's the level of accuracy with which these algorithms will be able to judge us and, you know, understand our thoughts. So moving forward, um, there's this huge concern that large corporations might be able to, like, deliver content to us that will force us to think in a certain way and uh you know completely get rid of i mean shatter this feeling of self even though we we think we are the author of our own thoughts we're like completely influenced by an external factor here uh, and this seems to be a huge concern that um some of the some of the neuroscientists are sharing in the current age and it is also something that I've been thinking of for a long time now. And uh, I know it's uh, if you, if this is the first time you're hearing it, I think it might be a lot of information to process all at once. But do you have any thoughts that arise uh, right right now on this 